Thank you for joining us for this message from Cornerstone Community Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. And now let's join our guest speaker. Different from um, what I preached on, uh, but I'm just going to read through, there's several of them, I'll just kind of read through some of them. It says, the witch complained that someone was always looking out for Dorothy, um, especially when the trees in the poppy poppy field. Uh, Dorothy was looking looking for help for someone else with no real power, but she had the ability to tap into all the power she needed, her red shoes, like the Holy Spirit. So so I guess they're saying that the witch said felt like somebody was always looking out for Dorothy. And we always have the Holy Spirit looking out for us on our behalf. So I got that. We got some preachers in this uh, congregation. I just Um This one says, oh gosh, let's see. They supported each other, which is intercession, on the way to the wizard. Uh, the lion said, what if I'm afraid to ask? And Dorothy said, Dorothy said then we'll ask for you. Uh, so they were correlating that to intercession. We will ask on your behalf. We will intercede on your behalf. Uh, the scarecrow, what if we don't get what we want uh, or what we ask for? And Dorothy said, well, if not ask, uh, let's see, not your, you'll be no worse off than what you are now. So if you don't, if, if we ask or if you don't ask, you'll be no worse off than what you are now. So you're not losing anything. I like that. There's a message in that. I'm going to preach that one Sunday. Uh, that you have nothing to lose uh, by asking. Amen. Um, see, a lot of times we look for love and wisdom from the outside world when we already have what we need at home. If we seek these things from the Lord and in his house, all of our hopes and dreams will be fulfilled. Amen. That's my message right there. <laughs> That's spot on. I don't know who did that one. Okay, that was good. Uh, Someone is tapping into the Holy Spirit. All right. Uh, There's no place like home, heaven. Heaven is our home. And that is good. Uh, Because this is, this. sometimes I think we get confused that this is our home and this is where we're from. Especially as Americans, we hold America to be such great and high esteem. But our home is in heaven. We're just visitors here. So we are just foreigners. Oh, I'm going to preach that one day, too. Okay. Uh, <laughs> our friends are there to help us even when we don't have the courage to ask or pray for our needs. I mean, that's intercession again. The Yellowbrook Road leads us to, uh, like, leads us like the word of God. The, the Yellowbrook Road is there to lead us like the word of God. A compassion to open doors. The wizard, like Jesus, was just a man, yet he was able to do the Almighty. All right. Amen. Well, the words are really weren't able to do the Almighty, but I get what you're saying. Uh, <laughs> uh, the Scarecrow, Tin Man, and Lion already had their gifts uh, and the heart, brain, courage, uh, but didn't know it until they started serving others. Amen. Uh, Oz never did give nothing to the Tin Man that he didn't already have. <laughs> so, let's preach that word right there. <laughs> uh, the wicked witch is Satan. Uh, the good witch is the Holy Spirit. And Dorothy uh, represents us. Amen. All right. So, yeah. So these are great. Thank you guys for participating. And we have more that we'll read at the end. I will not forget this time. So we'll read those at the end of the message. And I did, I did read, uh, read it beforehand. Unlike those. All right. So we watched Black Panther on Friday. That's what we're going to be gleaning from. 
by a show of hands, because this is going to determine how detailed I get into the synopsis of how many of y'all have seen Black Panther. All right. All right, ask somebody. If you're confused, ask somebody. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> it could be difficult to follow sometimes. Uh, but, you know, or you can always, we watched an edited version. There is some uh, language and some ancestral worship in, in the movie. Uh, but I enjoy the movie several times uh, without it being edited. Um, and I don't think we'd miss anything if you watched it on Friday uh, that, that, did, that changed the storyline at all. So um, with that being said, the synopsis of the movie is centuries ago, as five African tribes were warring over uh, a meteoric, a meteor that made up of an alien metal called vibranium. So this alien metal came out from the sky and landed uh, amongst these African tribes, and they were fighting against uh, each other um, to see who would have the rights to this vibranium. Uh, becoming the first Black Panther when, from one of the tribes, um, he, the Black Panther unites four of the tribes and forms one nation called Wakanda. And then the fifth tribe stayed in the mountains, and they were a part of them, but not really a part. They kind of didn't like them. Um, isn't that like how denominations are, you know, <laughs> already, <laughs> right from the beginning? Uh, as time passes, Wakanda used the vibranium to develop highly advanced technology while simultaneously isolating themselves from the rest of the world and posing as a third world country. Um, so this vibranium was a source of a lot of energy and technology for these Wakandans. And um, with that, they were fearful. And so they kind of hide, hid themselves from the rest of the world. And so from the rest of the world, they were just a third world country, but they knew what they had going on. <laughs> While working undercover in Oakland, uh, California in the late 20th century, Prince Najobi, Nahobi, I said, uh, becomes convinced that Wakandans' isolationist policies have done more harm than good and vows to share the technology uh, of his African descendants to the rest of the world uh, in order to conquer their oppressors. So he had a vengeful spirit, basically. He wanted to uh, seek out revenge on those people who were oppressing around the rest of the world. So he was going to oppress them. Uh, so he enlists a black market arms dealer, uh, Ulysses Claw, to infiltrate Wakanda and remove some of the vibranium. Um, in 1992, King T'Challa learns of his brother's actions. Uh, T'Challa and uh, Nahobi were brothers, and the brother wanted to do something different than what the king wanted to do. Uh, king T'Challa confronts his brother, and in that confrontation, he kills his brother. Um, yeah, just sad. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and his brother was going to shoot, uh, was going to uh, pull out a gun to kill what was what he learns was a spy of uh, Wakanda that was working with. The, he thought the brother, that guy, was a friend, Zuri, but it turned out that Zuri was a spy working on the king's behalf. And so the Nairobi come, comes out to shoot or kill uh, Zuri and T'Challa, T'Chaka, I'm sorry, I can't, <laughs> uh, kills uh, his brother in that, um, in that event. So he comes to present day, uh, T'Chaka is dead at the hands of 
um, some blast that happens at the some world event, and so King T'Challa has to his son returns to become take over the throne. Um, as he is taking over the throne, they have to do some ritual fighting to see if anyone wants to oppose him taking over the throne. Uh, and there is someone who did want to oppose him, Jabari. Uh, he was part of the Jabari tribe, which dwelled in the mountains. And the, his name was Mbaku. Uh, Jabari tried to fight T'Challa. T'Challa wins in that ritual violence. He spares his life, though. He spares his life. And they go back to the mountains, and T'Challa becomes king. Um, in this process, I'm not going to bore you with all the details. <laughs> uh, but there's some great action scenes. <laughs> uh, they, T'Challa wants to get Claw, the guy who steals some of the vibranium and knows of Wakanda's history and knows that they're not a third world country, knows their, knows their secrets, basically. And so uh, Claw's like, I'm going to get these weapons and I want to use them for evil. And so King T'Challa uh, wants to go and get Claw and pursue him so that he won't uh, basically spill the beans on what what's going on in Wakanda. And so they, they pursue him. They lose him at one point. They capture him. Um, and then um, he gets away with the help of Killmonger. So I meant to say this. So the brother, T King Chakala, who, Chaka, who killed his brother, uh, that brother who he killed had a son, and they leave the son there. And that's, that's a big, that's an important part. They leave the son there as they go away. So that son, uh, Killmonger, um, is angry that his father, he, he sees later on that his father has died, and he is aware that there is something going on in Wakanda, and he's aware of these special powers. And he, he, he has some unforgiveness, and he's going to go back and pursue Wakanda and get uh, what's rightfully his, and he feels like he was done wrong by them killing his father and leaving him there. And so he has a lot of bitterness and a lot of anger, uh, which is the understatement. He was really angry. <laughs> uh, so Killmonger goes and kills Claw, the guy who ha he actually was working with at one point. He kills him, brings his body back to Wakanda and says, Wakanda, I found the guy who actually killed your, one of your kings and stole your vibranium. And so uh, Killmonger then wants to fight for the kingdom. And he has a right because he is of royal blood. And so he fights King T'Challa at that time, and it looks like he wins. And Killmonger has no good in him. <laughs> he means Wakanda no good. Uh, he wants to use the spies that Wakanda has around the world to send weapons so that they can take over the world and destroy those people who were oppressing, um, who, was a, who were the oppressors at that time. Uh, Killmonger refuses... Uh, so, turns out there was a big battle in Wakanda. There were some, some, so they're trying to figure out what they should do. They want to destroy Killmonger. They find out T'Challa is not dead, and they save some of the herb to strengthen him back to being the uh, Black Panther. And he fights Killmonger. And then the the tribes are warring one another. Because there's some discrepancy about what we should do with what we have. Um, you know, how do we present this treasure to the world that they have, which is this vibranium? And some people believe that they should 
use what they have to oppress other people, that we're going to go and kill all the people who did us wrong. And some people say, no, we should use this for good. And some people say we shouldn't do anything. We should just keep it to ourselves like we've been doing in the past. Um, there's a battle. T'Challa finds himself to be victorious over Killmonger. Killmonger dies or is killed in that battle. And uh, T'Challa and some of the other characters I won't mention, I'll mention later um, decide that they were going to reject the isolationism uh, of their past kings and they're going to establish an embassy in the United States uh, and share what they have or reveal what they have to the world. Um, so that's the synopsis. I hope that. I hope. I hope you understood that. Why, ask somebody. Watch the movie. I'm telling you, it's a good, good movie. Um, so the title of this message is "Hidden Treasure," uh, and we're going to be looking at Second Corinthians four, five through six. Um, and it reads: Second Corinthians four, five through six says, "For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your bond servants for Jesus' sake." For it is God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. We are, pre- we are hard pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, perplexed but not in despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying about in the body, the dying of Jesus, about uh, the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our bodies. For we who live always delivered to death for Jesus sake, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this word. We thank you um, that it falls on good ground. Uh, We pray that our ears are open and our hearts are tuned to your Holy Spirit and that we will not leave here the same same and we will want to go out and do what your word says and that we will share your good news. We thank you. and We bless you in Jesus name. Amen. All right. So several themes can be picked up out of um, Black Panther. There are several different things, different ways I could have gone. Um, and I'm just going to highlight, highlight a few of them, uh, and then we're going to get into the meat of the hidden treasure that we do have. Uh, so loyalty was a big thing. Uh, Okoye uh, was part of the Dora Milaje, uh, which is a warrior group, and they were made up of women. And women were very powerful in this movie. I don't know if, if, if you noticed that theme, that there were very powerful women within this movie. Uh, so Okoye was a part of, uh, was a general within this army that was made up of women. And um, she was loyal and loyal means she was giving or showing firm and constant support or allegiance to a person or institution. And so she showed firm and constant, a constant allegiance to the king and also to Wakanda. And there was a point when Killmonger becomes king and her sister, uh, uh, what's her name? Uh, Where is it? Nakia. Her sister Nakia, her friend Nakia says, hey, are you going to leave because Killmonger is now king? We don't want to serve him and you're going to leave. And she's like, no, I am loyal to the throne and I'm loyal to Wakanda. I cannot leave. I cannot just desert the kingdom. You can do what you need to do, but I'm loyal to the throne and also uh, the kingdom. And yet you can tell there was some toil in her because 
once again, there was someone in the in the kingdom or in that throne that she did not agree with that were going to do evil things. And so she toiled within herself to say, should I actually be loyal to the the king? But in herself, I think she realized, well, I'm not necessarily always loyal to the king, but I'm also loyal to Wakanda. There's a bigger issue going on here. And so what I could do, say, I could preach on is, are we loyal to Jesus and his church? Or are we loyal to pastors and preachers? And so sometimes we can be loyal to a pastor. And if that person does something wrong or someone assumes leadership that we don't agree with, then do we disregard the church altogether and say, well, I'm not going to be a part of this anymore and I'll walk away. And people will call that church hurt. You know, I've been hurt by the church. Somebody did me wrong. Or I didn't agree with what the pastor said. So I'm leaving the church. And even Jesus said to Paul when he was a persecutor of the church, say, why do you persecute me? He didn't say, why do you persecute my church? He said, why do you persecute me? And so leaving his church, persecuting the church was personal to Jesus. He said, you're not just leaving. You're just not persecuting someone out there or something else. You're persecuting me when you persecute the church. And so we, when we leave the church because of church hurt or because we're angry or we disagree, or whatever, are we saying, are we leaving Jesus? Is that what we're saying? Because when we leave his church, we're leaving him. We're tied, we're tied together. This relationship is not, we're not, we can't separate ourselves from Jesus. We are tied to him. And so when you say you're leaving the church, you're also leaving Jesus. Or when you say something against his church, the accusation is against Jesus as well. Um, so yeah, I could have preached on that, but I'm not going to preach on that. <laughs> could have preached on unforgiveness. Killmonger had a lot of unforgiveness in his heart, a lot of bitterness. Uh, look at uh, Mark eleven twenty five. Oh, he just had a lot of unforgiveness because of where he was when he was left, and he was angry about what they did to his father, and he was going to get them back. He was going to go to Wakanda, and he felt like Wakanda was not using their resources appropriately because they had the goods and they weren't sharing it with the world, and they weren't taken about. Uh, they saw people oppressed, and they weren't taken up for those people. And he was going to go in and make things right. Uh, his way, not really right, but it was right in his eyes, I guess. Do we practice forgiveness daily or are we like Killmonger that we're holding on to some unforgiveness? And, we, and that unforgiveness will become bitterness and make us angry and want us to give retribution. We're going to get that person back. Are we practicing that? Mark eleven twenty five says, and whatever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him that your father in heaven may also forgive you of your trespasses. Now, that's deep because you say, gosh, you know, if I don't forgive. Does that mean that you won't forgive me? And with that same compassion that you granted me, must I also share that with other people? Right. I don't know, you know. Are we holding on to things and not forgiving people? Are we allowing bitterness to set in? Should we be practicing forgiveness daily? Again, I'm not going to preach on that. We're not going to talk on that. (laughs) That's for another time. Could have talked about selfishness, selflessness, and compassion. A Nakia, uh, who could have stayed in Wakanda with all of its 
benefits and technology and all this greatness, uh, chooses to go out and serve others, leaving what she had, all the good things that she could have been a part of, to go out and put herself in harm's way to help her fellow brethren and sister sisters of, of humanity. Um, are we willing to be selfless to help others? First uh, Peter three eight says, "Finally, all of you be of one mind, having compassion for one another, love as brothers, be tender-hearted, be courteous." Are we showing compassion? Are we willing to set set ourselves, our own feelings aside, what we have, all all that we may have, and say, you know what? I'm willing to put that aside to go out and help my brothers and sisters in Christ, and not just my brothers and sisters in Christ, but just anyone. Humanity in general, because she could have said, well, I'm just going to help certain people. But no, she was willing to help put herself in harm's way to help others. Are we willing to put ourselves in harm's way to help others? Are we willing to set aside our agenda to help other people? Selflessness and compassion by Nakia. But we're not talking about that either. (laughs) Writing past wrongs. T'Challa says, uh, just because the previous kings lived in isolation and wanted uh, the vibranium not not want didn't want the world to know about their secret their vibranium um, he's not going to do that he's going to repent he's going to turn from their wicked ways and do something different than what the past kings had and are we tied to certain things that past people have done that make us feel like we have to do that as well because that's the way it's always been done well, that's how my dad did it, and that's how my mom did it, so I'm going to do it. No, if it's wrong, it's wrong. And so we should, we should be willing to repent, turn from that, and look to, towards Christ. And then lastly, I'm not, again, I'm not going to preach on that. Lastly, what I'm not going to preach on <laughs> is apathy. Wakanda was enjoying all the fruits of the vibranium. And they were fine with just enjoying all those fruits. Uh, apathy is a lack of feeling or emotion, a lack of interest or concern, and indifference. And have we become indifferent um, to people around us, or to what's going on in the world? Uh, do we lack concern? Are we only okay when we're okay? And if we're okay, then I'm okay. <laughs> I'm not really concerned about anyone else or what may be going on, what hardships uh, others may be facing. Um, Revelation 3 says, so then, because you are lukewarm, you're neither hot or neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out my mouth. Have we become just lukewarm? It's kind of in the middle. Not really. I'm not really concerned about anything or anyone. And it does, it does. If it doesn't, doesn't. And I'm okay. Let's not be lukewarm. Ha- have some conviction either way. Even if it's wrong conviction, have some conviction. That's what the word says. <laughs> either hot or cold. Be one or the other. Just not, don't be in defense. You know, you're not on a hot day when you're wanting and thirsting for something really cold and you think something is going to be cold and you're just like, ah, this is hot water or this is not what I thought it was. Uh, some of us spit it out. Some of us don't. But I'm not this is what the word says. I will spit you out. Uh, I want you to have some conviction. I want you to have some passion behind what you're believing in. And if you really believe it, then act on it. But again, I'm not preaching on that. 
I'm going to preach on the spiritual paradox between the earthen vessel and the treasure. Um, some of us want to acknowledge the treasure, which is important. It is about the treasure. But they only want to acknowledge the treasure. And then some of us always want to acknowledge the vessel. Uh, and it's comfortable. Most of us probably want to just acknowledge the vessel because it's comfortable uh, saying, well, I'm just human. I'm just a vessel. With all my faults and frailties, I'm just a vessel. But the truth of the matter is that there is a treasure within that vessel. No matter the faults or frailties or vulnerabilities of that vessel, God has chosen to place his treasure in that vessel. Why, I don't know. Sometimes I wonder even myself, like, God, why did you choose me or this route? Or is there another way? As Jesus asked. But there isn't. He chose us with all our faults, with all our frailties, with all our cracks, with all our nooks and crannies that don't look good in the spot of light. He chose to put himself in us. Isn't that that that's a, that is a uh, moment when you realize that no matter what we've done or how horrible we think we are or others may think we are, he is wanting to put himself inside of you and allow you to be the vessel that he uses on this earth. The earthen vessel, Wakanda, um, frail, vulnerable, inadequate. Uh, Genesis 2, 7 says, And the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground. We could have likened, we could be likened as pots of clay. Job 10, 9. Remember, I pray that you have made me like clay. We are just dirt. Some lighter, some darker, but still dirt all the same. <laughs> we are dirt, y'all. <laughs> Isn't that humbling? And it's freeing, I think, to some, that when you know that I, it's, this is not, it's not, not about me. I'm just a vessel. Just a vessel. James 4, 6 says, God gives grace to the humble. And God knows that he's made us out of dirt. Psalms 103, 14 says, he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. He knows that. And yet he still chooses us. The Lord does not expect us to perform as anything other than clay pots. How much do your clay pots do? What do they do? <laughs> they just sit there and hold what they, whatever you put in it. <laughs> and that's what he wants you to do. Hold what he puts in it and do what he wants you to do. Um, we are containers intended uh, for its content. My earthiness becomes more evident when I look to Christ and see how inadequate I really am, to see how small I really am and how much of a clay pot I really am and how much dirt <laughs> I really am. Um, even in preparing for messages or, you know, we, we, we know our own humanity. And sometimes that could be made more evident when we see Christ. Um, or in worship, even on a day, it's like, I'm so inadequate. I'm just not, um, he's so great, and yet he loves me so much. Um, and I become so much smaller in his presence. And all of my issues 
are not really issues anymore because it's about him and not about me. And I asked my daughter when we were sitting there, I said, is this thing going backwards? I can feel funny. And I was like, you know what? It doesn't really matter if it's on right or wrong because um, <laughs> God is looking at me and is like, I don't care what you got on, you know. <laughs> but what we concern ourselves sometimes is really not important because it's about him and how great he is. Um, the treasure, the vibranium in Wakanda was a gift that was infused in all aspects of society. It was in their clothes. It protected them. It healed them. It gave them advantages. It was the source of their strength. How much more is that for us in the kingdom? Second Corinthians 4.11 says that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. But in order to have that life, we also must have his death as well. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I can't. This is the word. I didn't make this up. <laughs> this is not my life. It's not my life. And I have to remind myself on a regular basis especially at work sometimes work is always work you know it's work <laughs> uh, but sometimes you know that's where the rubber meets the road um, and that is where your witness will be tested at home and at work um, and so you can profess Jesus all day long in this building but if you go to work or go at home and no one sees Jesus then what you professed really didn't mean anything um and you're just an empty vessel at that point. And so to live this word out, to really say, hey, I am crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ in me. It is Christ in me. Then I cannot make decisions based off of my flesh. And that's what it boils down to a lot of time. Me making, making decisions based off my flesh. And in my mind, I curse people out all the time. Lord, forgive me. But um, <laughs> and I say that too. Oh, hmm. Well, forgive me um, for even saying it in my mind. But I have to remind myself that I must live this word out in the public <laughs> so that my witness won't be messed up as well. Uh, I won't bring no shame to Cornerstone. I won't bring no shame to myself. Um, but, yeah, I, I want to live this word out. That is my desire to live this out. And if we desire to live this out, then we must remind ourselves that it's not my life. It's not what I want. And my flesh may want to do some things that my flesh may want to do, but it's not about my flesh. It's not about what I want to do. It's about the treasure that's in me. The will of God is that Christ would come and dwell in and be expressed through this earth, through this earthen vessel of our humanity. That is the will of God. That Christ would dwell in and be expressed through this vessel. Colossians 1, 25-27 says, I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness. The mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. And this is the mystery. To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in who? 
you the hope of glory. It didn't say Christ outside of us. It says Christ in you. That is the mystery. Christ is choosing to dwell in humanity in clay pots that are fragile, that can be broken, that don't always look the best, but he is choosing to dwell in you. That's powerful. And we realize, when we recognize who Christ is and who we are in light of Christ, and he still chooses to dwell in us. All our faults and all our frailty, he still chooses to dwell in us. That is the hope of glory. The Lord wants to be a heavenly blooming flower in the clay pots of our lives. I didn't make that up. I, I read it somewhere and I said, I got to steal that. Um, <laughs> the Lord wants to be a heavenly blooming flower in the clay pots of our lives. Second Corinthians two fourteen to 17 says, but thanks be to God who always leads us as captives in Christ's triumphal, triumphal procession and uses us to spread the aroma of the knowledge of him everywhere. For we are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. We are what smells good, <laughs> a sweet aroma to God among those who are being saved and among those who are saved. Right now, that's who we are. Not some future tent, something that's going to happen. We are right now what's supposed to be the smelling good of Christ among the saints and the saint knots. <laughs> we are to smell good. I hope in the physical, but also in the spiritual as well, <laughs> that when people want to be around those that may smell good, right? You know, that, 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 you know, that, uh, that's appealing. Um, that your coworkers will want to be around you. That they find good pleasure with you being around them. That you leave a good scent when you leave. <laughs> or when you come in, things change for the better because you're there. Because you bring him with you and that treasure spills out and bubbles over and other people see that and say, ah, man, I don't know what that is, but I like when Virgil's around. I like when Sam, maybe they say that Sam. I mean, no, they say, I like when Sam is around. <laughs> I, I like when they come in our presence. Uh, it changes the atmosphere. Something different happens. You know, I feel better because they are around. They give me attention and they say nice things and they're not like everyone else when they come around. Uh, when Jack comes in the store, <laughs> things change because he's there. And when Elder John shows up on the call, because uh, you work online, right? <laughs> so when he speaks to me on the phone, I could tell things are different um, because... He has that treasure in him bubbling over, or just in him, in just a small bit. Just give me a little treasure. It's all Christ. Um, God's plan is to put extraordinary heavenly treasure into our ordinary earthen vessels so that the attention will go to the contents 
and not the container. This is acting funny. It's not about the container, but the contents. And maybe that's why he chose clay jars, right? No one's going to look to see some extraordinary thing about some dirt jars. They're going to say, what kind of power can they have? But when you show up and you bring that power, they say, whoa, if this clay jar can have that kind of impact, then maybe this clay jar can have that kind of impact as well. Maybe if I accept what that person has, because they look like me, they look like dirt too. <laughs> We're all dirt. And if they are able to do exceedingly abundantly above all you ever ask or think, then maybe greater is he that is in me, that's from last week, than he that is in the world. What do we do with this treasure, y'all? In the movie, the characters had different opinions about what to do how they should engage the world with the treasure that they had. We could tear down kingdoms. We could oppress people. It has been done in the name of God. <laughs> people have killed people in the name of God. It's not true, but uh, but it has happened. Not the true God, I'm saying. They didn't really have a treasure. They had a, some form of it. Um, but when you have the treasure... You don't want to oppress people. Your job is not to go back and give retribution because they did you wrong five years ago. And now you're going to pray their demise. The word says (laughs) pray for your enemies. (laughs) That's what it says. Um, We're going to move the kingdom forward. We're going to preach. We're going to teach. We're going to love. We're going to proclaim the gospel. Uh, Second Corinthians four, eight and eleven says, we are pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus Christ, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in us. We've got to carry the death so that we can have the life. The vessel is hard pressed, but the divine treasure is not crushed. The vessel is perplexed. But the divine treasure is not in despair. The vessel is persecuted, but the divine treasure is not forsaken. The vessel is struck down, but the divine treasure cannot and will not be destroyed. So no matter how you may feel sometimes, and we may feel distressed and broken up and downtrodden, he in us is not destroyed and will not be destroyed. Consider 10, verse 10 of 2 Corinthians Chapter four, always carrying in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. We all want the second part of the verse, the life. But there is no life without the death. No treasure without carrying in our vessels the dying of Jesus. If we are to be any use to others, we must learn to carry in our vessels the death of Jesus along with the life. And we must consider that we must die to ourselves so that he can live in us in a greater way. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for changing our hearts and minds and wanting and desiring to be more like you. 
and in that desire and allowing the treasure that is in us to overtake us and to control us. We will no longer do our own bidding. We no longer do what we want to do and go where we want to go and look at what we want to look at. But we will be led by your spirit and the Christ in us. And we pray that Christ in us, that we will share the gospel. We will proclaim the gospel. We will preach the gospel. We will teach the gospel to others so that they will have be able to partake of that treasure as well. We thank you. We humble ourselves and we realize we are nothing without you. And that there's no attention given to us and all the attention is given to you. In Jesus name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Cornerstone Community Church. We are located in Lynchburg, Virginia at 525 Old Graves Mill Road. You can find us online at cornerstonelynchburg.com, contact us by email, cornerstonecom at comcast.net, or call us at 434-847-4796. We pray the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace.